Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hey, everybody. Who wants to hear about some delinquents of drink? Oh, I <laughs> do. Me too. Whoa. Me too. It's maybe not altogether too surprising that there are quite a few like wine crimes that have occurred in the history of the wine world. And so today, Sarah's got the wine this week. So she's drinking a 19 crimes wine. I'm sure everyone's yeah. seen these labels, right? I mean, you have to have. They're you all over to. the grocery store. They're everywhere. And they're pretty, you know, they grab your attention because there's literally like criminals on these <laughs> Wine I mean, labels. I debatable mean, about how horrible of criminals they true, are. Considered. But they look, they make them look like criminals on these they labels. Do. They do. And all of these people on the labels were essentially taken from their countries and shipped to Australia because they're criminals. So, doesn't seem yay. like the worst punishment. I'm not going to lie. Well, I mean, back then, you're sitting on a ship for how many weeks to get to, you know, around Africa and whatnot. I mean, that's how Australia was founded, just a bunch of criminals. And now look at it. It's beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. So you are drinking The Uprising, which I think that we're we're under the impression that this is one of the newest. Yes. This is, I think, offer. one of their newest ones. If you go on their website, there are several different ones. Um, they've got a cab, a Shiraz. They've got different red blends. Um, and I think the cab was the first one they came out with, but I believe this is one of their newest and it is a 2019. Um, it is very fresh, very fresh, (laughs) 15% ABV. So up there, which is, I see, I was going to say, yeah. And I think that's pretty, you know, Australian wine tends to be higher ABV. Well, they do because this is a blend of Cab, Grenache, and Shiraz, and Shiraz is normally that boozy, bruisey, Mm -hmm. in-your-face, heavy red wine. Uh, We don't know the percentages, right? It doesn't say it. I can't find it anywhere. (sighs) But what we do know that this is going to be a first for us that this is aged in rum barrels. It's true. For 30 days. So I've never had wine that's been aged in rum barrels. I've had bourbon. True. Me too. Barrels, yep. But not rum. So I don't know. We're going to – why it's don't I pop adventure. this? It's yeah. an adventure. Pop I'm it. I'm going to pop it open, see yeah. where we go. This is – it's so funny though because this is an Austra- – it's Australian wine, but you said it's – I mean, it's made by a Californian company. Yep. And so they they do their thing. They grow the grapes. They nice pop. Nice Thank pop. you. They yeah. grow the grapes. They make it all there, and then they ship all the wine to California and bottle it. Right. I know. I know. Isn't that interesting? I think it saves them money. I mean, really? Yeah, so? yeah, yeah. I think it saves them money because think about how heavy glass is and how big bottles are right? Wine bottles. Mm -hmm. And if you think about how they have to be packed in the the cases, there's so much wasted space. Whereas you can get like a huge container that has basically, it's like a massive Franzia box. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, you know, a plastic or whatever lining and you fill the wine in there, you ship it in a big container. Yeah. And then you can just bottle it here. 
which is I'm sure much more cost efficient and effective. So, Oh, I'm sure it is. So on the cork, it says counterfeiting the copper coin. Which <gasps> what number is it? 14. 14. So they're, the 19 crimes are on the cork. The full title of this law was an act for the more effectual preventing the counterfeiting of the current coin of this kingdom and the uttering or paying of false or commercial coin. I don't even know what that means. What do you mean uttering? Is that I'm if you speak sure. about fake I money? Mean, I guess. All right. I don't know. I'm not sure. I so you know what's funny though? I actually always thought that 19 crimes was because they had 19 different types of wine. That's what I thought, but yep. it's not. It's and I not. think at one point they had like 12. I had no idea that it is in fact related to what's on the corks. And you can go to their website and find out everything that's on the corks. So the background to this, as I pour here, glug 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 glug. Hmm. Um. You drink something dark and red. I'm going to drink something bubbly and light. Yeah. I like – it looked pretty in your glass. Thank you. Um, I did not make it myself. I wish I could. <laughs> so – Cheers. The background – cheers. Oh, yes. We need to cheers. Cheers. So the background is, is that we talked about how these criminals were sent to Australia – Mm -hmm. but they had committed at least one of the 19 crimes that these wines are based oh. on that are worthy of punishment. So this began in 1783 when Britain employed this method of sentencing these criminals and shipping them off to Australia to start over in a desolate new country. And a lot of these people died at sea, but those who survived helped create a new community and culture in Australia. So there's crimes from grand larceny through impersonating an Egyptian um, the copper coin thing. I'm not really sure what's going on with that, but so here's an stealing fish from a pond or a river. Okay, what were you gonna say? I just took a sip. How is it? Um, so this wine, there's a lot of oak. Mm. Okay. So it's a lot of oak. Definitely, you can taste the alcohol. I can actually feel it down my throat right just now. Just like trickling like down. In my chest. Yes. Going into your esophagus. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I did read a description saying that it had a sticky sweetness on the finish and lovely vanilla aromas. It definitely smells nice. Um, That's good. I think the vanilla, I think it's, 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 it's oaky for sure. Um, someone described it as like a punchy liqueur flavor that cuts into rich sweetness and it could be a wonderful aperitif or accent to bold spicy food. Now, does it actually taste that sweet to you? I don't think it's sweet. No. Okay. It's not a sweet wine. It's um Is it I, dry or like more off dry? Uh I would say it's 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 off dry. Okay. So the a portion of the wine was aged in rum barrels and this apparently is supposed to give it a warm brown sugar finish. But the wine is pretty jammy. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a little sweetness at the end. Yeah. But I wouldn't drink it and be like, oh, this is sweet wine. That wine has a high ABV considering so many people have described it as being sweet. I mean, if you go on like Total Wines reviews and things like that and just the description, it implies that there is some extra level of sugar or sweetness there. But I, I wonder if that is actually like residual sugar or if it's really just like the barrels. I think it's the barrels. I think it's the barrels. It's, okay. Yeah. It's very hot. I mean, like, 
I'm sorry. There's a lot of punch. I mean, this would be great, like, if you just want to get drunk at a party, man. This is probably... I mean, how much did it cost? Like, Like 10 bucks? Yeah. I think that's what it's meant to do. Now, wait, wait, wait. We haven't mentioned this yet. The label comes to life. (laughs) So, yes. The label comes to life. I feel like people get this for, like, the party trick. I know my aunt actually brought this to a family function one time. You have to download their app, which is called Living Labels. Um, there's also other wine labels that do this through the same app. Have you heard of any of them? Or do you know? Yeah, Gentleman's Collection. I've seen that one. <gasps> Lindemann's has some that do it. Really? Yeah. Okay, oh. so what you do is you scan the label. So we're going to do that right now with this okay. app. Okay. We're going to and, and the – yeah, here we go. Oh. Inside of his jacket, that loses it. He's an Irish man. I was bound to join in a combination which was banded together for the good of Ireland, not for assassination and plunder, as has been falsely asserted. To the judge, I said, I have only one request to make. I ask you simply to pass sentence and give me nothing in the shape of advice or lecture. For I assure you, it would be lost upon me. Sounded very self-deprecating at the end. I'm no good with words. I don't even <laughs> Just know give me a sentence. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, if you use – so we heard what he said, but as you're looking at him, the label actually comes to life, and through your phone, you can actually see the guy on the label talking. Oh, so, funny and creepy. Creepy. I actually didn't want to do it by myself. <laughs> I was yeah. like – uh, I'm going to wait to get on with Jamie because otherwise this might freak me out right now, especially because we're having like a storm. I'm like, there's that's no true. way I can sit here by myself and watch this guy come to life. Yeah, that's true. That's why, I mean, storms were in the predictions. So that's why we're not, we're not outside at Sarah's again recording, but yeah. hopefully next week we will be. Hopefully next time. So Anyways, so that's enough about that. Um, Let's get into our topic. I feel like this is an exciting one. As we talk about all the people that have, you know, like broken the law for in the name of wine. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Just some of the stories that have happened. And like, I mean, very, very recently or even like decades ago. There's even been wine crimes from like centuries ago, but we're not going to go there, I don't think. No, no, no. So, I mean, I know I've, I've heard about some of these. I've watched some of these, but let's just get into it. What is your first wine crime you want to talk about? Okay. So I will admit that this is the one that sparked this topic in my mind. All right. So this one is called, it's referred to as a wine tasting on the go or a highway wine heist, which sounds incredible to me. It, it reminds me of like some movie that came out a few years ago called like Hurricane Heist, where there was like a heist uh-huh. in the middle of a hurricane or a tornado or some bullshit. Uh-huh. It's totally false. This is true. This is a real story. In California okay. this year, in fact, just like a month ago on May 5th, there was this truck driver, right? 
and he pulled over on the side of a highway after there was this guy who had flagged him down to the shoulder and the truck driver was like, Oh shit. Like maybe there's something wrong. And this guy is trying to alert me. to like a Mm -hmm. problem. So, and he's carrying a bunch of wine in a big tank, not just like cases, like a big ass tank filled with wine. Okay. And so he saw the man get out of the car and the guy, the guy who's just like wearing his underwear, no socks, no shoes, no nothing underwear. And he jumped out of his car and just kind of like ran to the back. So the truck driver was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go. So he goes to get back on the road and you can see, like he couldn't see out of his peripheral, but there's a video camera that picked this up. The man ran around the back of the truck, jumped on board the truck hung on to like the ladder for a little bit while the guy got on the highway. And then all of a sudden you just see the dude go underneath the tank. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. All of a sudden. So the truck driver had no clue about any of this because he couldn't actually see it from his mirrors. Yeah. So all of a sudden he starts to see all of the gauges on his truck just start to go down slowly yeah. lowering. And he's like, Oh shit, I'm leaking. So he called the highway patrol And he's like, I think that I have a leak. I don't know what to do. And so the patrol comes out. They follow him. He pulls over and turns out this dude climbed underneath, latched himself onto the tank in what is described as a snow angel position, which if you Google that, it's a sex position. So don't Google it. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. And he undid like the cap, like the valve and just started trying to guzzle as much wine as possible. That seems very inefficient. I know. I know. You can only drink so much. Why wouldn't you bring like a vessel of some sort? He was like waterboarding himself. Like, could you imagine the force behind it? Oh, you'd be, you get sick. Absolutely. Absolutely insane. So apparently he lost the equivalent of 5,000 bottles worth of wine. Oh my goodness. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know what happened to this guy. I probably should have looked it up, but I mean, he obviously didn't drink 5,000 bottles. No, no. The, the California highway patrol officer said it was one of the top 10 calls of his career. (laughs) Oh my God. That's amazing. Oh my God. He's charged. Oh, he's charged with vandalism. Okay. Okay. I just thought it was so funny. And I was like, how many other crazy things have happened? And that's what led us here. That is what led us here to this episode. I like it. Wow. That is crazy. That's bold. I mean, mean, think how out of your mind you had to be in order to climb underneath a truck on the highway. For... To drink some free wine? I mean, go is that to the fucking it? liquor like, store. Unless he had like what? a death wish and he was just trying to get drunk and then like, I don't know. There's got to be some mental situation there. I would. Think. Oh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So there is a video too. I did watch the video. That's oh, how I'm I, gonna have to watch it. Yeah. I haven't, yeah. I haven't watched it, so I'm gonna have to. All right. Yeah. So what? What? Are, what have you been familiar with from our? Sour Grapes, man. That the movie, movie is crazy. That movie is crazy. Okay, so tell us about it. Because this this happened relatively recently, right? Um, Was it like 2016, maybe? Anyways, it's this guy, Rudy, and I can't really... Can you say... Do you know how to pronounce this Kerniawin? Something like that? Yeah. So if you guys haven't seen this movie, you definitely... I mean, a lot of us are home more now. 
Like definitely one that you can get on Netflix, I think, or whatever. And super interesting story. Um, this oh, guy yeah. was in California and he pretty much was like, somehow made out to be this like, I, I don't know how he did it, but somehow he ended <laughs> he was up being young. This, yeah, he ended up being this guy who like became this like supposed rare wine collector. Um, but he would go to all these auctions, he'd go to all these wine events, and people began to really know him in the California and he California scene. And he actually a lot of the wine became more expensive because of him. Mm-hmm. Because he would end up buying and auctioning you know, buying these wines at higher prices, which would make other people want them more. And then they would bid on them for higher. And so like, that's how some of this wine became super expensive. So anyways, he started buying and selling uh, large amounts of rare wines in the early parts of 2000, of the 2000s, spending as much as 1 million a month buying auction lots by 2006. Where do you get that amount of money? So there's some... Um, there's some speculation and they talk about this in the movie that uh, his uncle was potentially funding this. Oh, but he used to say like, I think he would say something like, yeah, like he had like a lot of family money. Like that's what people would think. Okay. Sorry. The movie came out in 2016. Okay. Um, okay. And the movie's crazy because it's, you would think this would be a movie like, people acting for him but there's so much documentation of film documentation from him that it's almost like a documentary like with people being interviewed but like I there's all this is. live footage of him i i honestly wonder if they set out i'm sure i could look this up i usually go on imdb trivia about things all the time but i honestly the way that it was filmed it's like I think that it was actually under the guise of a documentary maybe of, you know, this guy's Rudy's amazing fortune and amazing expertise in this area. Everyone talked so much about how he was so young and it was incredible that he knew was so worldly with all of his wine knowledge. But I think that he was actually under investigation the whole time. And the sad part when you watch the movie, I don't know if you felt this way, but I did. When you're watching these people who, again, have shitloads of money and just really high up in the wine world, I mean, like in with the French people, et cetera, they have no idea they're being duped by this guy. No idea. And then you see it happen. Like you see their reaction when they find out that he was. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And like part of them, even (gasps) when they see the evidence, don't believe it. It's hilarious, actually. So the way that he got found out he was actually counterfeiting several bottles of expensive wine. And the way that I think several is an understatement. But yeah. it's like, yeah. To the point where they're still trying to figure out, like they, in the movie at the end, they're like, Are, is this a Rudy bottle? We don't know. Like you don't even know if some of the wine that you have could be counterfeited if you got, if it's one of the wines that he was doing. Oh, people, it's so messed up. Because people keep this shit in their cellars, you mm-hmm. know? So mm-hmm. anyway, the, the way he got found out was that he um, consigned several magnums of a 1982 Chateau Le Pen at an auction, and they were featured on the auction's catalog cover. The winemaker sees this and tells them, contacts them to say they're fake because they never made that wine that year, which is like, I mean, come on. 
That's crazy. Yeah. Could you imagine you're a winemaker and you look at this, like it's on the front page and you see this and you're like, what is this? And that's what's so crazy because I found this other article. It was something about like the top 10 label mistakes that he made because he, if you guys watch this movie and you should, you a hundred percent should, because it's very captivating because you you know what happens. Um, but he has this setup in this small apartment in California and it's like different paper samples and stamps and dyeing kits. And it's just incredible. And the level of the amount of detail that's, that went into this stuff is, is huge, but obviously not enough because he got caught. <laughs> yeah. So he got arrested. Deservedly so, but yes. Yes. And if you watch the movie, it's just, yeah, it's, I love it. But anyways, he got arrested in 2012 in California by the Good. FBI. So, Good. At his house. Uh, and they were like, house. what did we uncover? And, and just watch the movie to see, you know, how that went down. But um, mm-hmm. pretty much the one of the, I think the biggest wine crimes out there. I believe that they are still figuring out how much money he actually like stole from people. Oh, it's millions and millions um, and millions. Yeah. And like you said, they're still uncovering things. I know that there was this um, Bill Koch, I think, Coke, yeah. Koch, something. Mm-hmm. He has like an absurd, I don't know if it's like thousands of bottles of wine. He, I think, even has a Thomas Jefferson bottle of wine. I'm not mistaken. I think that they show that in the movie. But the dude prides himself in you walk into his house and then he finds out and he's just like, oh my God, I don't even know how much I've spent. I guess they settled out of court for $3 million. Really? Yeah. But between Kearney Owen and Cock, like just those two, not other people impacted by this. But it's just, it's absurd how long this went on for. And there were red flags that apparently these auction houses like experienced, but they kind of overlooked them, I think. Maybe because like you said, he was helping to raise the prices of the auctions. Themselves, yeah. And like I also lots. think that they felt he had a good reputation for a long time. So mm-hmm. yeah. Damn. And I, I feel like you also don't think that somebody has this huge underground uh, uh, counterfeit wine operation just because right. of everything that would have to go into it. Exactly. Like, That's impossible. Exactly. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. I know. I know. He like basically fooled the whole wine world for a very long time. So yeah. Are you familiar with Red Bicyclette? No. You, I, you had to have seen it. I, I mean, I think it has a big red bicycle on the front of it. Oh, the you, label. Mean the, you mean the, the wine? Yes. The wine, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, so you said like duping, like, you know, fooling the whole wine world. This, I think, is another shocking one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell me. So I didn't know, I didn't know, although I shouldn't be surprised that Gallo, you know, EJ Gallo, yeah, they mm-hmm. own Red Bicyclette. Okay. And they're obviously a California company, but uh, Red Bicyclette is apparently a French wine, and they said um, that they are Pinot Noir. Okay. And in their 2010 vintage, well, in 2010, it was determined that it is not Pinot Noir. <laughs> it's very much not Pinot Noir. And yet, really? it says it. Yes, this is messed up. This is the French are literally onto their shit. They pay attention because they care about their reputation a lot. Yeah. So in 2010, the French authorities discovered that 
the quantity of the red BC clet, which was said to have been made by Pinot Noir between mm-hmm. 2006 and 2008, exceeded the amount of Pinot Noir that was actually made in the entire region that supposedly provided the grapes for this wine, the Languedoc oh, wow. region. Mm-hmm. Wow. And like, not just like a little bit in excess, but like a third of the volume that Languedoc produces overall is what they is needed in order to make as many bottles as they actually made of the single wine. Okay. Across two, three vintages, I guess. Yeah. Ridiculous, right? It's a pretty big mistake. It, <laughs> I'm not sure that you could really call it a mistake. I think yeah. it, um, there's a theory that it was piggybacking off of the sideways okay. phenomenon. But you want to know what the grapes really were? That were in it? Please tell me. <laughs> okay. Uh, Merlot and Syrah. Yeah, no, much darker. <laughs> much, much darker. Especially the Syrah. Jeez. I know, right? So, I mean, apparently there was a little bit of Pinot Noir, but like a very negligible amount. Okay. And so, you know, it's like, obviously, I think many people would be able to tell the difference between a Merlot and a Pinot and a Syrah and a Pinot. And by God, a blend between those two grapes and a Pinot. So Gallo, who is this like huge wine, you know, company, umbrella company, how could they not have picked up on that? That's like very questionable, right? That's exactly. It's because it's a huge company and you're not Another reason it's nice to like go with your smaller winemakers who are paying attention to what's going on. I guess. Right? It's so messed up though. I guess it was a big deal for the French, but nobody else really cared. Yeah. And I'm sure that there was some sort of a fine, but in all honesty, like to a company like EJ Gallo, it was the drop in the bucket. I was going to say it probably meant nothing. Yeah, yeah. They were like, oh, okay, all right. I guess you you caught us. Great. Yeah. Like, oops. Sorry, I guess we won't do that again. (laughs) Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yes. Yes, yes. I'd like to try one now. Like a present day one? No, like one from then. Oh, shit. No, I would like to do that, too. Actually, it would probably... Just to be like... I was going to say, just to be like... Did people, like, if you are, you know, thinking you're getting a Pinot and then you open it up and and you're, like, staring, you know, like, sometimes you're like, this doesn't taste like it. But if you're, like, staring at the going like, really, this is a Pinot? Huh. Well, you know how it's, like, for all of the wine ratings that exist, all of those are blind tastings. Yeah. Like, they, so wouldn't somebody be able to be like, that's not a Pinot? I mean, I'm sure that they'd, somebody tasted this for... I don't know yeah, how much but it then it's cost, a, if it but. says it on the label, like, I mean, that'd be really hard to deny, right? That's like, true, but that's fraud, man. I know. Damn. Lies. Lies. Wow. At least that one didn't cause like things like death. Oh my god. No, it didn't. Do you have a death story, dude? This Italian one. Oh my god. I remember hearing about this and I could not believe it. This happened in 1986, so much earlier than these other ones we're talking about. Yeah. But there was a winemaker in Italy um, and he was selling under labels including Adore Barbera, Barbera and this other one, this Dolcetta del Piedmonte. But basically he was trying to make his wines more boozy. Um, like the Australians, like what yep. you're drinking. Which is not an Italian. Italian wines are not. No, easy. I know. 
No, they're not. But it's like, that's why I'm like, what are you doing? So he was trying to boost the alcohol levels of what they, he thought it was like 12%. So he added methyl alcohol. Do you know what that's commonly used in? <laughs> Please. Please share. <laughs> Paint thinner and antifreeze. <laughs> no. So, but this was usually, so this was for like not your DOC wines. Right, right. This was for. Oh God, could you imagine? No. This is for like the inexpensive, ta- inexpensive table wines that they would sell to a lot of neighboring countries or these neighboring countries would actually add these wines to their wines. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what your de- what kind of wine they had that they were trying to increase it to 12% because that's low in itself. But <laughs> Right? I mean, okay. Um, but what happened is, is that a bunch of people died. Oh like my you, God. You can't consume antifreeze slash, you know, methyl alcohol that paint is poisonous thinner. slash paint thinner. Right. Exactly. So Jeez. 23 people died and 15 people went blind. Um, and a lot of countries ended up banning or discouraging drinking any Italian wines. That's so sad. I mean, like you said, so it was supposed to, it was just like the inexpensive bulk stuff that was Im- impacted by this, but even the high-end ones just got they got dinged. But could could you imagine if this happens like you would have a hard time trusting, you know? Well, um, totally. I'm well I don't know. I mean, yes, I would probably. And especially I like- because I feel like all of that in Europe, and I think you've mentioned this before too about like the Portuguese wine too. Like when you were there, yeah. a lot of it doesn't get imported or exported, excuse me. And so right. it doesn't make its way over to us here in the States, which is fine, but sometimes it's kind of sad because they have like really good mm-hmm. stuff that just doesn't have as big of a production or as big of a market or what have you. Yeah. But that's really sad because that the news of this I'm sure spread like wildfire around the world, like literally around the world. And so, yeah, yeah poor Italy. <laughs> poor so Italy. Denmark had banned wine, Italian wine imports, oh. Switzerland's, um, which was in France, France had seized 4.4 million gallons and destroyed it. Oh, wow. I know. So what did you four point four what gallon million, million gallons gallons oh shit yeah well so. thankfully they have they seem to have recovered I think yes. Italian wine has a pretty good reputation now yes so good for Italy we're proud yeah. of you guys Luna Doro pick it up <laughs> I just bought a bottle today you found one oh good I did good good Ray's has it back in stock I think this is so. they're like our suppliers here. Mm-hmm. Like medicine. you can't find it. You guys get get that wine. Listen to our episode and get that wine. Get that shit. Our sleep yeah. episode. Yep. Uh. Yes. Wow. Well, I mean, death is horrible. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. It's pretty bad. Actually, just preceding that whole issue was the Austrian wine antifreeze scandal. Okay. So and also antifreeze. Also antifreeze. This is uh, diethylene glycol, and okay. it 
I don't know if I pronounced that right. <laughs> this was in 1985. So wine labs were conducting like quality checks on Austrian wines. Mm-hmm. And they found that several Austrian wineries, their offerings contained this chemical, which is one of the primary ingredients in antifreeze. And why, you might ask? To make them appear sweeter and more full-bodied. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems like a poor reason. I, there are laws, and this is sad, and I'm not excusing them by any means, but there are laws like some countries will not allow you to add sugar. If you add sugar, it's called like chaptalization or something, and mm-hmm. it's supposed to happen before fermentation. You can't add it after fermentation. And so that's like really bogus that this dude or these people added antifreeze. How do you, what, what do you go through to come up with antifreeze being like, yeah, this is the best ingredient that we can, that we have, that we can accomplish this. I I have no idea. Who was the trial and error on if the people making this didn't die? I don't, I don't know. I mean, who, I, I have no idea. It all seems like such a bad idea. I, 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 yes, I think that is a hundred percent true. So a lot of this wine was also exported as bulk wine, mostly to West Mm -hmm. Germany, it appears. Yeah. So, um, in the short term, Austrian wine, just like nobody wanted it. Everyone Uh hated it. They're like, forget this. We're not doing this. Uh And so they, they took a huge hit. They then, long-term, they have since regained their reputation or are slowly regaining the reputation because they're exporting more, but they're really focusing on dry white wines and, and marketing things to that higher level wine segment uh, in the industry. So thankfully that has been a positive, but damn, a few people with some stupid ideas just ruin it for everybody. I know. So I know. terrible. It is so terrible. So there's one more on here, but I'm going to let you take it because I know you bo- read this book and oh, I man. haven't had the pleasure of reading it. So I'm going to let you go for this Tangled Vines book. I'm going to let you finish. No, yeah. Um, so Tangled Vines, you guys might remember from, I think it was our first DBP book club episode. And it was a book that I had read that I thought was originally just like, fictional. I thought it was totally untrue and it was just like a funny story or an adventure, a mystery in the wine world. And I was like, cool. Then I found out that it was real. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And so this happened in 2005 and it was in October. This guy, Mark Anderson, who actually like kind of like Rudy had like a really good reputation with winemakers. He managed a storage facility in Vallejo, California. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was like super buddy buddy with all these people. He lived in Sausalito, was like a big part of the artist community, blah, blah, blah. He had this wine warehouse. They also had pasta sauce and apparently sugar. And he set fire to it. He destroyed 4.5 million bottles of oh my high-end God. wine mm-hmm, worth more than $100 million. Jesus Christ. That's insane. Yeah. It was, it was some bullshit for sure. And all because this asshole couldn't manage his money and kept taking out loans. And then you want to know what he was doing? He was selling the shit inside of the storage facility so that he could make money to support his other bullshit uh, expenses. So 
I, he did it because I think he got, I'm trying to remember hundred percent, uh, what this backstory was, but it was because he was slowly getting found out. Like people started calling and asking questions and then he would say, Oh no, we actually don't have it on these premises. We ship them into a different warehouse for more greater safety or something like that. And so Mm -hmm. it was this game of like, you know, kind of pushing things around a little bit, um, and just kind of dodging questions. And he also, like I said, was depleting the resources anyway. And so he thought he would get away with arson. And he took some cloths and a blowtorch and set them afire. Yeah. And I cannot believe that. I know, right? Is and crazy. the crazy thing is that this dude was like mid 50s when this happened. I mean, it, I don't know what his life came to. It was. I don't think it was good to begin with, but um, this was certainly a bad way to end it. Not end it. Sorry. He's still alive. He's actually in prison, thankfully. Well, I would think he's in prison. He got sentenced to 27 years okay. in 2012. I'm not sure what prison he's in, but he is still there. And the sad part is that obviously it's a fire, right? And so a lot of big and small vineyards lost like entire vintages because that was their storage facility for all their bottles. Yeah. yeah. Or a lot of places lost their entire library. You know, when you do like vertical tastings of like all yeah. of the wines that you've ever made, it, they were there. And so a lot of, a lot of vineyards lost them like, um, long meadow ranch winery from St. Helena. They lost oh. their entire library of past vintages and two vintages of their cab Sauvignon. And so really, really ridiculous. And, you know, certainly some places had insurance, but others didn't because they were more like mom and poppy stuff. Really terrible. But what I find to be shocking, so I mentioned like 100,000, sorry, $100 million estimated for the wine. But I guess that there were, there are debates as to what the actual monetary value is in the lowest number that I saw was 54.2 million, which is still a lot. Like, let's be honest. But on the high end, it's $277 million. Oh my God. And I actually That's think- That's like an unfathomable number. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's a list like um, it, in the book, it gives you some things like Viadera. Remember we tried to go there? Yes. Yep. They were impacted. This Long Meadow Ranch impacted- um, Sterling Vineyards, which is huge, they were uninsured, if you oh can believe God. it. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, have they grown drastically that they felt they didn't need to be insured back then? But Yeah, that's crazy. But a lot of places also because of this, I mean, they lost vintages, but they also ended up losing their place on store shelves and on wine lists of restaurants because they just didn't have wines to offer them because it got burnt up. That's a nightmare. Oh my God. Terrible. The livelihood of these people. That is terrible. That is a nightmare. Mark. Ugh. Ugh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, those are our wine crimes. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I hope that there's no more to talk about. You know what? If there was another wine tasting on the go, I think it'd be kind of funny. So That's long as nobody true. actually I, got hurt. I but. need to watch that video for sure. You do. Um, yeah. You do. No, it's- that'd be good. But I hope there's no more <laughs> wine crimes of like fires or like antifreeze or, you know, counterfeit or anything like that. I know. So 
I know. I will. I will cheers to no more crime. Cheers to no more crime. Yeah. Cheers to no more well, wine crimes. We need our wine. There you go. There's my cheers to no more crime. But <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to this wine here. You're gonna go back to 19 crimes, as, as a, compared to our I think six mm-hmm. we went over. Yeah. If you like oak, you're gonna love this wine. <laughs> what if you don't love oak? You might want to pass. Can you get past it if you were eating something? You don't have any snacks, right? I do not. I'm not eating anything right now. Um, I suppose if you were maybe eating like something rich or spicy, potentially, yes. Okay. Or if I was just drunk and needed more wine to drink. Oh, okay. It's not a sitting around, relaxing. Maybe, maybe other varietal. They, so I think that the warden, which they have, is That's actually their, a more expensive more expensive. One. I think it's like 20-something. 20 20? Yeah. yeah. So anyways, I mean, they've got several ones to try. Do the living label. Maybe, maybe this rum barrel thing is just not what I'm feeling. That could – this was an adventure, Sarah. I yeah, mean, this was. I'll have to get a good bottle from you to try it myself, but I think that – this was – you were going out on a limb there when that was the one that you picked. Yeah, I know. It's my fault. It's a, No, no, no. It's yeah. okay, though. But we talk all the time like it's like trial and error. This and is true. You got to – you so. got to – you know, I was like, let's try something new. So that's kind of where we're at here. So anyways, um, I'm going to keep trying to sip on this. Okay. And uh, maybe I'll get something to eat. Yeah. But- see if that helps balance <laughs> things out a little bit. But yeah. So anyways, I'll cheers to, you know, no more wine crime and seeing you ladies. Well, seeing you lady next time. Sounds good. And, uh, you know, drinking with the rest of you guys on our next episode. There we go. (laughs) Maybe that high ABV's hitting you. I don't know. Right. Exactly. It might be. (laughs) This is a a sure way to get tipsy fast. I will do that. There we go. All right. Well, until next time, DB peeps, we will catch you on the flip side. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time, cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.